Well, this morning, as Kevin said, we begin a brand new series in the life of Peter. So I invite you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5 this morning. That's where we're going to begin. And really, this is where it begins for this man named Peter. And over the course of the next few weeks, I'm so excited to walk with Peter as he walks with Jesus. And we learn what it means to really follow him at a deeper level. And so here is what we know about Peter, just as we set this up, whether you're new to Bible study or whether you're very familiar with Bible study. Other than Jesus in the New Testament, probably there are no two greater figures than Peter and Paul. Peter was the designated leader of Jesus' disciples. And so as Jesus goes off the scene, he was on earth really for a short period of time, where his ministry, rather, was was here for just a short period of time, and he leaves the disciples behind to do the work that he began. And so Peter is the leader of those disciples, so he's a prominent figure. Paul is one who takes the gospel and gets it really to the ends of the earth at that time. But Peter is the one who leads those disciples, who helps establish the early church, who helps begin to, who helps to to write the scriptures and begins to see the church flourish there in Jerusalem and in in other locations so that Paul and others can take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So he's really a significant figure. But here's what I want you to know, is that Peter is just like you, and he's just like me, too. He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's not a religious scholar. He's not a rabbi. He's a fisherman. And in that day, he was simply just a small businessman who ran a business with his brother named Andrew, maybe joined with James and John on the Sea of Galilee, Galilee, doing what a lot of people did around the Sea of Galilee, and that was make a living by simply fishing. He was just a fisherman. And he was one who had a lot of flaws and a lot of imperfections, and we'll see that over the course of the next few weeks flaws and imperfections that are center stage for everyone to see. Peter is the one, as someone described it, who has a foot-shaped mouth. He is always putting his foot in his mouth. He is impetuous. He's the one who acts and speaks first and then backs up and has to apologize later. You know anyone like that? He's the one you remember in the garden when Jesus is about to go to the cross and die for our sins to give us eternal life, to change the trajectory of the universe, to change the history of the world. And it is Peter who wants to stop that by chopping off a centurion's ear in the garden and saying, I'd rather fight than let you go to the cross, Jesus. It's that Peter we're talking about. It's that this Peter that has the highest of highs in his walk with Jesus, in his spiritual faith. He, He has the lowest of lows. He's down in the depths of despair and he doubts whether Jesus can ever use him again. Again, this is the type of guy we're talking about. It's the type of guy that represents you and represents me this morning. And so as we come to this text, one that I preached before in this very pulpit, a wonderful, wonderful story. Here is what I want you and I to learn. Not only from the biblical text, how Jesus called this fisherman to follow him, but also what Jesus is doing in calling you and me. And here's what we're going to understand, hopefully, not only this morning, but throughout this series. 
is that the call of Jesus for you and me is not dependent upon us, but is wholly dependent upon Jesus. And when Jesus calls you and me, and here's where we're going to go by the end of our lesson today and by the end of our series later this summer, here's where I pray we will land. Here's not only what I, I pray you will learn, but here's what I pray you will do. And that is after an encounter with Christ, you will come to a point of leaving something behind abandoning whatever it is that is holding you back to follow Jesus in a more deeper way. That's my heart for you this morning. That's my heart for me this morning. Because I know in my walk with Christ, there are things every week that I want to hold on to, I want to cling to. I got my, my fists clenched, and I'm not willing to pursue and abandon Jesus with everything I have as long as I hold on to these things. So I'm going to plant that seed in your mind this morning. What is it that Christ is calling me to? And it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me something. I'm going to have to lay it down. It's going to cost me something, but it's well worth it. It's what I pray we'll see today and in the weeks ahead. So let's look at this story that in which Jesus comes directly to Peter and calls him. And here's the context in Luke chapter five. Jesus already knows Peter. In John chapter one, we find out that that Andrew, Peter's brother, is a follower of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist was baptizing, Jesus comes down to be baptized. And John the Baptist looks at his followers, his disciples, and says, hey, here's the son of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so in John chapter 1, we read where Andrew says to his brother, Peter, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. We have found the one that the prophets and, 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 and the scriptures have talked about all the way to this point. He is now here. Should we follow him? Will you come see? And Peter comes to see Jesus. And Jesus likes Peter to the point and knows he's going to use him to the point where he says, Peter, his initial name is Simon. His original name is Simon. He's going to change your name to Peter. That all happens in John chapter one. So there's this familiarity already when we come to Luke chapter five with who Jesus is and the disciples are seeing Jesus preach and teach with incredible authority, with incredible power. So much so that the crowds are beginning to gather. He's already making a name for himself. And so when we come to Luke chapter five, the crowds are wanting to get a taste of what Jesus is teaching and they're wanting to be healed and he's casting out demons already. And, and so there's this crowd that is gathered around Jesus one day by the Sea of Galilee. And so let's pick up the action in Luke chapter five, verses one through seven. And here's what we do. If you're new to Taylor's, we stand for the reading of the word of God at the beginning of our time. It's just simply an act of, of worship, an act of respect as we stand under the authority of the Holy Spirit in the word this morning. And here's what it says. Listen to this story. We're going to read the first seven verses. It says, on one occasion, while the crowds were pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, another name for the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we've toiled all night 
we've taken nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And may the Lord bless the teaching and the reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. So Jesus is preaching the word here. Can you imagine Peter in the boat? <laughs> Jesus comes to the shore and the, he sees the people there in front of him and the sea is, is behind him. It's a beautiful setting if you've ever been there. And he sees these empty boats and the fishermen aren't there because the fishermen are maybe down a little bit further because they fished all night and they clean and mend and repair their nets in the day so they can go back out later in the evening. So the boats are empty. They're not being used. And Jesus says, Simon, I know this is your boat. Let's go out. Can you imagine? Can you picture Simon listening to Jesus? In verse 1, it says to, to teach the word of God. The people had never heard anything like this word before. It was a word, literally a word from heaven or from God to the people. Luke 4 says it was this incredible story of rest and liberation and freedom from their sin and from their guilt. Jesus has come to rescue and to restore them. They had never heard anything like this before. And he's sitting down in the boat. Can you imagine Simon? He's got a front row seat just watching Jesus, hearing this, taking all of this in as Jesus to the masses says, this is the heart of God for you. Then he turns to Simon. He says, I, I'm going to set the masses to the side just for a second. I'm going to appeal to you, Simon. And I'm going to appeal to you individually. Simon, let's go out to the deep. And I want you to get your nets. And I want you to put them down. And you're going to catch a lot of fish out here, Simon. I like what John MacArthur says at this point. I was reading MacArthur's commentary this week. And he says this, that, Macar that Jesus does nothing without purpose. It's true. Jesus was in Simon's boat for a purpose for him. The time MacArthur says had come for him to move not only into Peter's boat, but more intensely into his life and to lift him to a higher level of commitment. So I want to make this very personal with you again. The call of Jesus is just not to Taylor's, but it's to you personally this morning. Jesus has a word for you this morning. He's looking at you and he's saying, okay, here's what I, I want from you. I want you to, to listen to what I have to say to you because we're going to go out a little bit deeper and you're going to take your, your nets. I know you've already, I know you've already fished, but I, you need to listen to what I have to say. Now here's Peter's response to Jesus. Jesus, um, we toiled all night. We fished all night. We haven't caught anything. Now, underneath this response. I don't, I don't believe G, uh, Peter was being arrogant. I don't think he was being brash. I don't think he was being cocky here. We know Peter can be all of those things. We know he can be brash. But I think in this instance, he's not. But I think what he, he is simply trying to slip Jesus a little word. Jesus, um, you're, you're, I hear you're from uh, the town of Nazareth where you were a carpenter, so you work with wood. I, I, I work in this, this is my office. We, we, we fish at night, Jesus, but now it's the middle of the day. We know where the fish are. We think we know where they are and we haven't caught anything. But now you're coming to me to tell me that 
that you know where the fish are. It implied in all that. Here's what he's saying. And, and here's what Jesus is saying to you is, as he calls you this, this morning to something specific, to a next step, whatever it might be, the circumstances aren't very good. The timing might not be exactly right. We've tried this in the past and we have failed. Jesus, this is exhausting to us because we, we've already put away the nets. Do you know what it will cost me to take this very next step that you're asking me to do? All of that might be true, but notice what Peter says next. Nevertheless, what? At your word, I'll do what you say. And this is what Jesus is asking you to do base. Here, here's what he's saying. Point thought number one this morning, if you're taking notes, Jesus, when he comes to us and he calls us individually, he doesn't call us according to our ability or to our strength. Jesus comes to us and calls us by his power alone, not according to our weakness. Jesus comes to you this morning and he's not concerned about your weakness or your inability to do whatever it is that he is asking you to do. He is more concerned about your obedience to simply listen to what he has to say and respond to him this morning. Nevertheless, at your word, this is what I'll do. Yesterday, I called my dad and, and I, I said, Dad, um, I remember a fishing story that, that you and I, when we went fishing, it was hilarious because we, we caught a fish in the most unconventional way. I remember there was a Coke bottle involved. I said, Dad, I want to get this right. Can, can you help me with this a little bit? He goes, absolutely. So I'm talking with my dad yesterday and he says, he's telling me the story again. And um, we went fishing with my grandma and with my grandpa out in the Outer Banks one day. And my grandpa was a simple man. He was a car mechanic in the little town of Windsor, North Carolina, in Bertie County. And for his whole life, all he did was fix friends and customers who would come and he would fix their cars. But in his free time, he loved to do two things. He loved to watch wrestling on TV and he loved to fish. All right, that's why I learned terms like Jimmy the Superfly Schnooka. Do you remember any of those? And Andre the Giant. I learned it from my granddaddy. The second thing he loved to do was fish. He was always fishing and he would go out and he'd drive out to the Outer Banks, his little drive. But I remember going with my grandma and grandpa out there on the pier. But this time we were at this little, I guess it was an inlet because there was this bridge. And my grandfather had a brand new fishing rod, my dad said. And he, so he wanted to take it out. He had his tackle box and so he's fishing and he's catching nothing. And he's becoming a little frustrated. Now my granddaddy was quiet. But it was a quiet frustration. And so my dad took me and he, we, we start walking along the beach. And he said, son, it must have been a fisherman who was incredibly discouraged because he left uh, some trash there, included a Coke bottle, empty Coke bottle, and he broke his rod and his really just left it there. He was done with it. Any of you fishermen done that? And he said, um, son, let's do this. He goes, I want you to listen to what I have to say. We're going to go fishing. And he said, you get the Coke bottle. And you fill it up with water. Okay, so we'll fill a Coke, Coke bottle with water. And my dad takes the fishing line and he says, let's do this. Let's, let's tie it to the lip of that Coke bottle. So we tie it around the, the top and then he finds a hook. Maybe he was in the rod and reel. Maybe he goes to my grandfather's tackle box and he finds a, rod, uh, a hook and he finds some bait. And he says, all right, now, son, run up to the beach and, and put the Coke bottle in the sand and, and put it at an angle so that, that it stays there, all right? And so my dad goes out to the water and he drops the line in the water and we just watch. And here was his word. When that 
Coke bottle moves, you tell me, there's our fish. <laughs> sure enough. It's not a fishing story, I promise. I, you talk to my dad tomorrow, if you, or you call him today if you want to. That Coke bottle starts to twitch. I'm like, Dad, it's running. He's like, hold on, hold on, don't go ripping that thing out. We're going to lose the fish. All right, what do we do? What do we do? He goes, all right, lift it up, and let's, let's reel this in really, really softly and really quietly so this fish will come in. And sure enough, to my granddaddy's even greater displeasure, here was this flounder that we had caught. Gave it to my grandma. She cooked it up, and we ate it. Here, here, and my dad said this yesterday. He said, all I asked you to do was to listen to what I said. And, and, and when Jesus comes to you this morning, he is coming to you specifically with something throughout today or this series. And for you to take that next step, you're going to go, here's my weakness. Here's my inability. Um, I've tried this before. It didn't work. Who are you, Jesus? You don't say that to him. But you think that. And Jesus says, I'm not calling you based on you. I'm calling you based on me. And the beginning of an incredible life of following Jesus begins when he just simply says the phrase, nevertheless, at your word. But here's what happens next. Read it with me, beginning in, in verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, now remember our text, all the fish um, are in the boats and they're calling their partners. Um, this is the, this has been one of the worst days perhaps in the, in the fishing business for Peter and Andrew. They've caught nothing, not a thing, but now they have more fish than they know what to do with. Suddenly business has become incredibly good from, from, from famine to feast, just like this, just because Jesus has authority and power over us to do what he wants to do. And so he causes this miracle to happen. So verse eight. When Peter saw it, he sees all, all this happening. What does he do? He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a what? Say it. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Keep reading. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Devity, who were partners with Simon. And so Jesus says to Simon, Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Verse 11. And when they had brought their boats back to land, they left everything and followed him. Second thought this morning is this, is that Jesus, when he calls us, he calls us based on his worthiness, not according to our sinfulness. Now, I don't know about you, but if Peter, being a fisherman, being a businessman, takes in all of these fish, one thought could be, look at how God has blessed me. Look, 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 if we follow this man, these types of things can happen. But Peter wasn't so much concerned anymore about himself. Suddenly, here's the deal. He became face to face with 
almighty God. This is the one, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. This is the one that says that Jesus upholds the whole world by the word of his power. We were at the Grand Canyon when we went to the Southern Baptist Convention a couple of weeks ago. We took the family over there. It was an amazing, an amazing time to see this incredible, just massive, beautiful display of God's glory. We, we, were, we were there and, and we splurged a little bit and we hired a, um, a tour guide to help get us through because you know what would happen if we didn't hire a tour guide. You know who'd be the tour guide? Me and Google. We would be the tour guides. You know, hey, should we go over here? I don't know. Follow the bus over here. Where are we going, right? So we, we hired this tour guide and he, um, he, he was a great guy and, and he, he says, all right, let's do this. We come to Mather Point, which is one of the points there. And there's, I mean, it, literally, here's the rail. There's death down there, right? And he, sa- and he says, come with me. H- hook arms with me. He goes, now close your eyes before we get over there. I don't want you to see it yet. He was a great tour guide. And he said, I don't want you to see it yet. And he says, lock arms. And so, I mean, we're locking arms, our whole family, with this tour guide. And we have our eyes closed. And he's leading us, and he's leading us, and he's leading us. And, and, and he says, and I'm like, okay, should I look now? He's like, no, no. Keep he says, let me put your hands on the rail. And he puts our hands on the rail. We're just like this. And he says, open your eyes. Man, if you've been there, Kevin Trees, you guys have been there. It is beautiful. Beyond anything I could ever imagine. I mean, we were just shocked. It was like one of those 3D. I guess we've got 4D now. Right? I don't know if we had 60 or 70 now, but if it was, it'd be like that. It was so beautiful. I mean, the sun, it was in the morning. You just wanted to grab it and touch it. And we read throughout the day, Psalm 104, which says that had Jesus's rebuke, had his word, the mountains are raised. And God has put together this incredible creation at his word, he holds your existence together. Do you realize that? You breathe because his word says you stay alive. At his word, the whole universe continues to run. The word of his power. Same phrase that we see in Luke chapter 5. At your word. And when Peter realizes who this is, This man is God. Oh, he's no longer concerned about fishing. (laughs) He he is face to face with almighty God. And what does he do? He falls before him and he cries out. I'm not worthy. Depart. I'm no longer, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Here's what Peter knows. That he, he, here's what he's learned. The Old Testament scriptures teach him that, that God is a holy God. And if, if this is God's representative, if this is him, he's going to strike me down because of my sinfulness. He's, he's holy. I'm not even worthy to be in his presence. That's why in the fishing boat, he is on his knees and face before this God. If I come into your office one day and you're on your face before God, I know you've encountered him. Co-workers might get rid of you, but you've encountered him. And he says, God, I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm a sinful man. He is, he is humble because he sees who this is. And he sees 
who he is. And he says, he says, I'm not worthy. And, and, and listen, here's my heart for you. Every single face I see this morning, here, here is my, my prayer yesterday and today for you is that you see this Christ, that you see him in all of his power. With one word, he speaks the worlds into existence. With one word, he holds it all together. But also he looks at you and he says to you, you come follow me. What is your response to that? And oh, this is the beginning. This is it right here. This is the start of not only our series, but this is the start of you saying to God, I will follow you if you see him. I'm not asking you to run out and do something. I'm asking you to see him and his glory. Hebrews chapter one, the glory is from God is here and we have seen it. The apostle said, the disciples said, have you seen this glory? It'll melt your heart. It'll break you. It'll humble you. Do you see him this morning? And, and, and let me say this. Let me say this. For those of you who are watching or maybe here who are not followers of Jesus, I want to say something to you this morning because some of you are not followers of Jesus. Here's why. Because you know, you're, you know you've messed up. You, you know you're sinners. But here's what I'm learning is that, that some of you have, a, have guilt and have things that, that are back here that are holding you back from following Jesus. And you say, can this Jesus really forgive me? Can he really do what you claim he can do? And he can. He can. And some of you are not followers of Jesus because you're scared of what the church will say or what your friends will say or what your, what your wife might say or your husband might say. Listen, here's my plea to you this morning that you see this Christ. Now, here, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, they were afraid of Christ. And so is, Jesus gonna, is God going to strike me down? That's what Peter's thinking. That's why James is down. That's why Jesus looks at him and goes, don't be afraid. No, 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 no. Don't be afraid. This is different. How is it different? Because now God in his grace and in his love and mercy, he's always been that way. It's a bad rap on God in the old days. He's always been that way. But now he's going to show that grace in a powerful way in the person of Jesus so that when you see Christ, you recognize he's holy. I am not. He is worthy. I am not. But Christ says, don't run away from me, run to me. Don't run away because of your sin. Don't run away because of your guilt. Don't run away because of what people will think. I am here. I am near. It is a miracle that I am here. It is a miracle that in your sin, you can run to me. But that is the miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ run to him. You who are guilty, you you are hiding. Don't be afraid of him. Come to him this morning and give him your heart and give him your life. Here's the final thing we see. We read it. Wow, Peter's transformed by this. The disciples are transformed by this. In verse 11, it's a simple little phrase. And we blow right through it and we go to eat lunch <laughs> and we go to work tomorrow morning and we miss it. But when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything 
followed him. They, they left the family business. They left their 401K. They left their, I don't know how it affected their family. Jesus calls them when he, when he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men and Matthew and Mark. When he says, come be my disciples, here's what he's saying. Leave behind and walk with me. Not, not just, you know, online, catch my podcast. That's not really, he's saying, come with me and know me and, and follow me. Physically get up and come with me so that you can then become an individual who has my heart, which is to reach other people. I mean, you can't get away from that in the Scripture. Anytime you read the Gospels, anytime we come to the Gospel, always th thinking Jesus has called me to be a follower of his, not to be a religious person. But Jesus has called me to be a follower of his, to be a reaching person. As I do it in, in the power of Jesus and according to his worthiness, not my own. And so they leave everything. I mean, they literally just, we're done. We're going to follow him. So this morning, what is God asking you to leave behind if you're a follower of Christ? A couple of weeks ago as we were at the convention, I went to an IMB dinner. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Southern Baptist Convention, it's our, our missionary arm overseas. And David Platt spoke, the leader of the IMB, and really here's what he was doing. He was challenging pastors to challenge their congregations to send their people not just to be trained to be professional missionaries as we come to know it, but to give their lives maybe for a short period of time, but maybe full time to go and serve to the ends of the earth, wherever God might be calling them. And so he made a plea for, for students, if you're a student, if you're in college. He made a plea for retirees who have the flexibility and the, and the income, perhaps, to do things differently in your retirement. He made a, made a plea for business professionals. You know, we live in the shadow of BMW over here, and there are all different nations represented here, and our business dealings here in the upstate can take us to the ends of the earth. Um, church planners and missionaries, this was his plea. But to do so, he told a story, and he told a story of Adoniram Judson. Judson was a missionary in the 1800s, and Judson had a pull on his heart to go to India and then to Burma, which is now Myanmar. And Burma, at that time, we don't know if there was anyone who was a follower of Christ at that time. As far as he knew, it was um, completely devoid of the gospel of churches, of Christians, wanted to translate the Bible into their language. This was his heart. But he also wanted to get married to a girl named Anne, and he met her, and shortly after he met her, he was quick on the trigger. It wasn't long that he decided to marry her. And so he writes a letter of proposal to Anne, and Anne doesn't answer the letter back. She evades it. So he writes her father, <laughs> and he says to her father, I want to marry your daughter, and he proposes, and I want to read you this letter. And I want to read you this letter because here is what this letter says, that when you follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something. 
Listen to this letter from Adoniram Judson to Anne's father. Now, remember, this is the 1800s, so the language is a little bit tricky, but I'm going to try and articulate well so that you understand this, okay? All right, fathers, you got, you got uh, daughters at home? Think, think of receiving this letter. You ready? I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, to insult, to persecution, and perhaps even to a violent death. Now, how do you like that proposal? One of, uh, one of this man's friends, when he told him this, he said, I would much rather tie my daughter to a, bed, a bedpost than send them overseas with that man, right? My, my 15-year-old wandered into my study um, yesterday, and I read her this letter, and her response was just, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> and I was like, it is, it is, it's unique. It's very, so, so but he, here's the point. It's going to cost Anne something. She agreed to marry him. It's going to cost that daddy something. As Jesus calls every single one of us over the next few weeks, it's, it's going to cost you something. Judson takes Anne just a short time after they were married, and they go on a boat to India. They go on to Burma, and in the meantime, they have a child, and the child um, is stillborn. So they bury the child at sea. They have another child, a second child, who dies at the age of 17 months. They have a third child as they're trying to get settled in what was a very difficult, difficult land. They have a third child, but Anne dies, and the child dies shortly after Anne dies. Judson has lost his wife. He's lost multiple children. He marries again. A second time, she dies. More children die. He marries a third time and has many children. Six years he works in Burma and Myanmar, and it takes six years for the first convert to be baptized. 38 years in Burma, one trip back to the United States, and he gave his life to this place, all because Jesus said to him, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. I looked up yesterday. What, what is Myanmar like now? This was from several years ago. So I'm sure it's changed. But today, Operation World says that the Baptist Convention of Myanmar, they have their own convention now, 3,700 congregations, over 600,000 members. So as I'm sitting there at the table in Phoenix, we get on our knees and we pray. Here are a couple of thoughts that run through my head. What am I holding on to? I say I'm a follower. I want to follow Jesus. What am I holding on to? Is it some sin? Is it some 
stronghold in my life that grips my mind and grips my heart? Is it some way of thinking that pulls me back? What is it that's holding you back? Is it some resource? Is it your, is, is it your children or your grandchildren? Is it your money? Is it your future? Is it your, your 401k? Is it your reputation? Is it your plan? <laughs> Students, is it, is it your plan that God might be saying, give it up? But, but let's dial this back in just, just a little bit. We, Peter left all and followed him, one of the great apostles. Adonai and Justin, one of the greatest missionaries. Ah, that's not me, but that's not the point. The point is not, is God calling you to be an apostle like Peter is calling you to be a missionary? He very well could. It's not the context of your calling. It is the commitment of your calling. And as a church collectively, just individually, my heart is, is anxious to see what God will do with you, what, what you're holding on to, what you'll leave behind, the net, the boat, everything, the family. It's all gone. But your commitment. And collectively, what could God do at Taylor's if we said, I'm in. I am in. Jesus, whatever you say to me, I, I, I'm in. It could be powerful. It could be amazing. So here's what I want to do this morning is Kevin and the worship team come up and lead us in just a second. I, I, I'm going to pray. And just like Peter and just like that night at, in Phoenix at the, at the, at the Southern Baptist Convention, I'm, I'm going to get on my knees. And I, I'm going to ask you to get on your knees this morning and to pray with me collectively. If you're physically able to, if you're willing to do, if you don't think that's weird, that's it's fine if you don't. But we're going to get on our knees this morning if you're able to. And I'm simply going to ask that the Lord reveal to you the person of Jesus Christ. Because I could say, here you go, go out and do A, B, and C. But more than that, I want you to see Christ in front of you, and he transforms your heart. And he breaks you, and then he lifts you up, and he sends you out for whatever it is he's called you to. So everyone, could you please pray with me, get on your knees with me. Leaders, this is a time for... For some of you to lead the way. And we're going to sing in just a second, but we're going to pray. Will you pray that we would experience what Peter experienced in that boat that day? Two things. The power of Jesus and a sense of his worthiness. Father, See your people. They're, your, they're yours. Your people in front of you. You gave Jesus to die for them. And you love them. And Jesus loves them more than I ever could. And would you speak to them now? And would you begin to minister to them through your Holy Spirit? And may they see the worthiness of Christ. And how beautiful he is. How holy he is. And may they, may they not speak. May they just listen. May they be captured by him this morning in his glory. Father, I pray for retirees here. I pray for students. I pray for moms and dads. I pray for businessmen and businesswomen. I, I pray for moms at home. I pray for students. 
I pray for your people that wherever you're calling them to, whatever you're asking them to do, that first, right here in these few moments, that they are captured and transformed by Christ. And they're humbled, but then they're lifted up. That they're forgiven, but then they're sent out. Lord, speak to your people. And then, Father, for the man, woman, the boy, or the girl, the student who has never stepped forward to say, I believe. And I receive the forgiveness of my sin. And I receive this person, Jesus, who can change my life. Would you speak to them this morning? Lord, would you save men and women, boys and girls, because of this word this morning? Lord, would you restore us? Would you encourage our hearts and lift us up and send us out? pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.